The Truth News Network. On every continent, in every capital, at colleges, universities, wherever solid thinking stands against the tides of insanity, there is one voice, a beacon, a light in the murkiness of political swill. From TNN, the Truth News Network, comes that voice, Dan Newman. Well, 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 we made it. Week's almost over. We've got a weekend ahead, and we're headed towards the dog days of summer. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for sharing your Friday morning with us here at Truth News Network's TNN Live. We always appreciate you being here. You're special. And uh, we consider ourselves blessed for you to choose to be sharing your time with us here at TNN Live. There are so many things happening in the world. Let me just challenge you as you head into your weekend. Try to put some of the bad stuff behind. Try to put as much of it behind you as you possibly can. And don't spend your weekend fretting about things that you can't change at all. I mean, come on. You can't change the price of gasoline. You can't change the fact that there there are now food shortages here in the United States. I never thought. I never thought that I would ever be saying we have a food shortage issue in the United States. And guess what? It's growing. It is. This baby formula thing. Oh my gosh. Who would have ever thought that could happen? And then of course the price of gasoline goes up and guess what? What goes along with it? Now we're finding out there's a gasoline shortage. I mean, you can't just make this up. There's a movie plot in the Biden administration. (laughs) Somewhere in there, there's a good bestseller book or movie, and somebody's going to take advantage of that. You watch. Somebody that maybe has a little inside skinny on the inner workings of the Joe Biden administration in his White House are going to come out and say, we've got a tell-all, and we're going to make a fortune from it. But just knowing what's going on, if anything's going on behind the scenes, there would be a wonderful thing to know. I mean, typically, in every presidential administration, the American public have some kind of, you know, way to look into to see some of the inner workings of that administration, the president and his family, his White House staff. In this case, that is not the case. I mean, have you ever seen Ron Klain? Some of you ask, well, who the heck is Ron Klain? He's Joe Biden's chief of staff. He's a guy that uh, is right in the middle of everything that happens in the Oval Office. Nobody talks to, nobody gets to see and meet with this president unless they go through Ron Klain. Many people think he's the one or one of the ones that are pulling all of the strings for our president and is guiding the president into meetings, conversations, things to sign, executive orders to issue. Somebody has to be pulling that trigger. We know, you and I know, it's not President Joe Biden. He's doing good to get his socks on every day. I'm assuming he gets his socks on. He certainly doesn't know what he's supposed to say and do and what he's supposed to not say or do because he gets busted almost daily when he opens his mouth and just begins to blather. Honestly now, 
if it was not for his teleprompter, can you imagine what a get-together would be with this president and a TV camera and a microphone? Can you just think what would happen? There would be explosion after explosion. He would talk about things he's never, no president is ever supposed to talk about. You know what he talks about? Everything that comes to his mind. And it doesn't matter what it is, about who or what, and who's involved in it. He's just going to blather. I have a lot of respect for Joe Biden. Now, why would you say that, Dan? First of all, she's a very faithful wife. You can see that. You can tell that. And she loves her some Joe Biden. And she's always there to try to soften some of the blows, the self-inflicted blows that the president brings on himself. And there are plenty of those. Think about the ones we see. Think about the ones that we don't see that are hidden from us. If we knew exactly what's going on in Joe Biden's life, his family, I'm talking about personal stuff, everything from just kind of a top-line view of his health care, his mental health, we would probably run for the hills because I think we have a president that is on the brink of imploding. And I'm not trying to sow seeds of fear or disinformation. I don't have any. I don't have any disinformation. What I just said is an opinion. And I think I have a right to that opinion. What would make me think those things? Just by watching and listening to what President Biden says and what he does. You cannot string together the things that this president has said, discusses, the policies that he's put out there, and the things that through his White House power and authority that he's done that do not align at all in many cases with the Constitution of the United States and all of the things that this country has been doing the good, the great things that this country has been doing for people around the globe for two and a half centuries. And it's almost like Whoever's pulling his strings went to the White House on January 20th in 2020 and said, yeah, here's what we're going to do. You know, Barack said he was going to orchestrate and lead the fundamental change to America. Well, he didn't quite get the job done. We're not going to brag about it before we do it, but we're going to do exactly that. And whoever said that is really who the president is, not Joe Biden. Got the title, got the name got the votes in one way or another. He got the votes, but nevertheless, Joe Biden is the president of the United States, at at least for now. What's going on in the world that you need to know about that you may not have heard about. There's something up with the WHO, the world health organization. And Joe Biden is um, in the process of doing something. We have been told it was rumored for months And it looks like it's going to happen. We're going to wade into that. And I got some uh, back and forth with Congressman Mike Johnson about it overnight. I want to share with you. Also, Eric Holder, Barack Obama's first attorney general, he's kind of climbed out of the weeds the last week or two. And he's beginning to drop some bombs in the media about Donald Trump and about findings of the January 6th committee. We're going to tell you about his latest. There's a 
bunch of other things out there. We're not hearing anybody talk about Ukraine of late. That's hard for me to believe because it dominated the news every day. I mean, for months. And it should. But we're holding our breath and hoping for the best there. I will tell you this. They're about to get $40 billion more tax dollars from you and me. $40 billion. Now, what would $40 billion do in your world? What would $40 billion do uh, for the law enforcement of the United States? Uh, maybe that group of law enforcement people that camp out every day and every night at our southern border. Maybe we could do something about stopping all of the illegal immigration that comes in. Maybe we could do something about having a Secretary of Homeland Security that did not take personal authoritarian rule over who's coming in the country. We have a story about Alejandro Mayorkas, something that he has done unilaterally regarding one particular segment of illegal immigrants. You're not going to believe this. Well, you will. You probably will. Nothing that comes out of his mouth or out of his office surprises me. And how this man has remained in politics in an appointed position for this long, even a year and two or three months, I don't see it's how it's possible because this guy tramples all over the laws of the nation every day. But then you look around the world, look around the nation, look at what's happening everywhere. The rule of law, it doesn't even matter anymore. Especially in these law enforcement prosecutorial positions like district attorneys in cities and and states. These people are just taking the law into their own hands everywhere. New York City, Los Angeles, at our southern border with directives coming out of the office of Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security in Washington, D.C. On his watch, we're just waving in a couple of hundred thousand of illegals every month. No idea who they are, where they came from, what they brought with them, and that means disease. Also, children, women that are not supposed to be with these people that are coming here to be trafficked around the world. That's what this president is allowing to happen, and that's what his facilitator of this, Alejandro Mayorkas, is doing. We're going to get into that story in just a minute. But where do we start today? How about let's talk about elections. Isn't this Pennsylvania U.S. Senate run, isn't it very interesting to you? Two apparently pretty good guys are up there in the lead. Vote tallies, it depends on who you speak to. Uh, looks like Dr. Oz has got a, well, he, whoever wins it's going to win by the skin of their teeth. But, I mean, it is almost literally head-to-head between McCormick, who's another good guy, and Dr. Oz. We're watching it closely, and it depends on who you listen to about the votes that are yet to be counted and where those votes are coming from. It eerily seems to be just another chapter of the 2020 election faux pas that happened in Pennsylvania and several other states. Here we are, days later. We're being told now it may be weeks later before we find out who is going to be the representative of the Republican Party running in the general election for that vacant seat in the U.S. Supreme uh, in, in the U.S. Senate, 
Those kind of things don't have to happen. Those kind of things should not happen. Why? Because you and I pour billions of dollars, our tax dollars, into the election structures constitutionally that are to be operated by each of the individual 50 states. Those states, through their government, through their legislatures, with governors signing laws that come to them, they have the sole authority to manage elections, and it's done state by state. We help pay for all of that. I mean, even even if you if you remember in a COVID nineteen bill, it contained billions of dollars for election structure upgrading because of COVID nineteen. But yet things seems to every two years, every time a national election comes up, every other year. It seems like it gets worse and worse and worse, and there's more questions about the veracity of election results in all of the 50 states, some more than others. Democrats, even with that going on, it looks like for the midterms, they're in deep doo-doo. Looks like things may be getting worse for Dems before they get really awful. (laughs) There's a report out this morning that Congressional Campaign Committee Chair Sean Patrick Maloney told party leaders at a luncheon yesterday their candidates are getting crushed by Republicans in battleground districts. House Democrats, though, singing a decidedly different tune in public. But they are well aware of the poll numbers. they got to be. They're not stupid. Well, I take that back. I don't think they don't watch the polls. According to Punchbowl News, Generic Republicans are beating generic Democrats 47 to 39% in those um, very key battleground districts. Lawmakers, multiple party officials in the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee are all said to be ringing the same alarms over and over about it. The shocking margin, and it may not seem big, eight points, but that's big when it comes to a uh, general election. Eight points is big. It's got Democrats in a panic, as it should. Many are frontline Democrats who now reportedly find their positions in trouble. According to this media outlet, Democrats typically have a three or four point advantage on the generic ballot in all of these midterms. Not this time. And that's bad news for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's little bitty razor-thin majority, four. I think four seats is all the majority is for the Democrats in the House. An eight-point lead, that would be a red wave for House Republicans. And if it holds up, and there are many people, including Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson that on this show week before last said he's positive that we're going to see a bloodletting of Democrats, and he wouldn't give us a number. He gave it to me off air, and I won't tell you what it was. But he thinks it's going to be a really significant, maybe the biggest change in a majority in the House of Representatives in recent decades. So Democrats following in the president's ill-considered footsteps were told that this meeting yesterday to refer to House Republicans as MAGA Republicans, MAGA. Now, let's talk about that for a second. You know what MAGA is. That's a Donald Trump term. 
make America great again. Now, there is some brain surgeon in the Democrat Party, in the leadership at the Democrat Party national uh, um, governing level. Somebody up there said, hey, there are a lot of people that just hate the term MAGA because they hate Donald Trump. And everybody thinks Trump when you hear the word MAGA. So why don't we just brand all of these Republicans, all of these conservatives, let's just stick that in the minds of everybody, people that hate Republicans and hate Donald Trump. And they've adopted that. In fact, the new White House press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, she is calling them ultra-MAGA Republicans. Democrat Party leaders, they actually believe that attempting to connect House Republicans to Donald Trump is somehow going to improve their chances of retaining power. So earlier this week, on Tuesday, a caucus-wide briefing. In that, Democrats were informed that the party's big hitters, the big bosses, are now far outpacing Biden's job approval rating by 22%. They contend it could be a combination of Biden's abysmal approval ratings and the strength of House Democrats that explain this number. Frontline Democrats' record of delivering for their communities means they head into November ready to defeat extremist MAGA Republicans who are going to have to defend that plan to implement a nationwide abortion ban and their embrace of white supremacist great replacement theories. That's from the Democrat National Committee spokesman, Chris Taylor. The Congressional Leadership Fund has also conducted private polling, and it all shows Biden's massive unpopularity as well as that of Democrats in general is taking its its toll. The PAC polled 16 districts that the president won by an average of eight points. I didn't know there were 16 different districts districts that he won by eight points. Anyway, his findings when he polled them were catastrophic. Biden's approval rating is eight points underwater and the generic ballot is tied. That's not a good scene for Democrats. That foretells that the probability is that the seats that Biden won by eight are now at best toss-ups, ripe for the GOP to get a hold of. Districts that were polled include the seats of Representatives Abigail Spanberger of Virginia, Kim Schreier of Washington, Mike Levin of California, Kurt Schrader of Oregon, Angie Craig from Minnesota, Susie Lee of Nevada, and Johanna Hayes from Connecticut. And there's even more bad news. 49% of voters in those districts state they prefer having a Republican in Congress. Why? to put a check on Joe Biden rather than a Democrat to help pass Biden and Pelosi's agenda. Those candidates garner 42%. The average incumbent Democrat was at 44% in these districts with a 38% favorable rating, 25% unfavorable rating. Democrats point to the fact that it's only May. 
Yeah, but how quick is November going to be here? Things could change, they say. But November's coming up fast. They're running out of time. And they seem to think that the Supreme Court ruling against the landmark abortion case Roe v. Wade will woke will work in their favor. But the polls seem to tell a different story. Uh, let me tell you something else that is becoming more noticeable and more in our faces every day. The hatred and the anger from every Democrat in government towards every conservative, not just Republicans in the nation. Every time any of the Democrat leaders, especially people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, they get up, they don't talk to people. They talk at people. And they are horribly negative about everything to do with conservative Americans. Let me give you an example right here at the top of the show. Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer, I've got to be completely honest with you. If you look at him, and and I'm talking on a personal level now, if you just look at him, watch him when he speaks, watch him when he gives a speech, watch him when he has a conversation, watch his face, watch his eyes, watch how the contortions take over his face, and when he stares with those eyes, there's only one other person in Congress that gives me the same feeling, Hakeem Jeffries. He's an African-American, very rabid Muslim. And I just pointed that out, not to demean him. But when you look in his eyes and he spews venom about every type of conservatism and every conservative when he speaks, Schumer gives me the same feeling. Listen to Chuck Schumer yesterday. Now, recent events have made the contrast between Republicans and Democrats crystal clear as we head to the midterm elections. Democrats are pushing to repeal the Trump tax laws giveaways to the wealthiest few and big corporations. Senator Rick Scott and MAGA Republicans want to raise taxes on working families by an average of $1,000. Democrats are fighting to protect a woman's right to an abortion and let women make the best decisions for themselves. MAGA Republicans want a nationwide abortion ban, the jailing of women and doctors, and no exceptions for rape or incest. And as I want to stop right there. Did you hear exactly what he just said? Let me, let me go back and see if I can grab just what he said. Making claims about MAGA Americans, MAGA Republicans and what they believe. Let me see if I'm at the right spot. MAGA Republicans want a nationwide abortion ban, the jailing of women and doctors, and no exceptions for rape or incest. That, what he just said, this is the majority leader in the U.S. Senate, the guy that runs all of the legislation that will come to the floor to be debated in the Senate, and of course all of that won't be allowed to come to the floor. The Speaker of the House, whoever that is, because it's the largest body and it's also the direct representing body of the American people, has a little more power than does the majority leader in the Senate. But in the upper house, they're pretty much more powerful overall. And this is the guy that runs the show there. He just, if you're a person that doesn't believe in abortion, what he just said is you don't want a woman to have any power at all if you do not like abortion. 
In other words, she she doesn't have any say-so. You can't do birth control. They're actually saying that, that Republicans are going after birth control. The first step is they're going to do away. They want a, his words, national ban on abortion. That is not what's even on the table. Do you get that? A national ban would require a national law. There's no legislation out there for the Republicans to even create something like that. This is not a legislative decision that's being considered. It's a state legislative decision. The state of Mississippi is the one that's up against the determination of is Roe v. Wade constitutional or not. But Democrats don't want to talk about that. They don't want to give the substance. And let me tell you what this portends to me. I see this. You see this every day. People like Jerry Nadler, people like Nancy Pelosi, like Chuck Schumer you just heard, they get up and they rail against their opponents and they make allegations that you and I both know aren't true. But guess what? They're not speaking to you or I. They're speaking to the people in the Democrat Party that they, in their minds, they being these leaders I'm talking about, in their minds, these people are too stupid or they don't care enough to dig and get the facts. So we're going to tell them what to think. Now that shocks most people like me. I think conservatively. I give you, I don't care who you are, if I even know you, I give you the benefit of the doubt on every issue until and unless I find out something different. Democrats don't think that way. Years ago, four years ago, when we started truthnewsnet.org and started writing stories, I got some backlash for publishing a story describing the differences between Republicans and Democrats. And I won't go into the whole thing. It just basically boils out that when you put it together and you talk about maybe a simple conversation between a Republican and a Democrat, and the Democrat goes first, the Democrat says, well, here's what I believe, bam, 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 bam. What do you believe? And then the Republican says, here's what I believe, bam, 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 bam. When the Republican gets through, the Democrat goes crazy. Their head spins. They spew green vomit. They begin to tell the Republican how evil he or she is and that they don't even deserve to breathe. They need to be put down like an animal. The other way around, the Republican will say, look, I don't agree with your position. And I may not be able to convince you about my position, so we just may have to walk away from here agreeing on one thing. We're going to agree to disagree. Democrats... They don't just disagree. They hate anybody that disagrees with them. Listen to the rest of Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. And as MAGA Republicans and Fox News hosts are promoting deranged conspiracy theories like replacement theory to turn out some voters, Democrats are strongly opposing this dangerous rhetoric and working to make our country more diverse and safer. Democrats are going to relentlessly and strongly highlight the differences between our vision of a brighter future for America 
and the MAGA Republican dystopian vision between now and November because it's so, so, so important. We're going to fight all the way to protect the rights of Americans for as long as it takes. We will not relent and we will not give up because we know that the arc of history bends towards justice. And that's always been true in America despite steps backward that are all too often taken. We know history is on our side. We're determined to preserve the precious rights that are the bedrock of our great nation. I can feel the energy in our communities. Last weekend, I joined tens of thousands of New Yorkers to march in the streets to show our support for women's rights. And just yesterday, I was with the President and the people of Buffalo, to be with the people of Buffalo as they grieved after unspeakable hatred and violence ripped into their community. But while it's been a sorrow, painful few days for Buffalo, New York, and people across the country, there is a strong sense of resolve. Our communities are not simply going to let MAGA Republicans and the Supreme Court take away our rights. We're going to confront this challenge the same we've confronted them during the four years of Donald Trump's presidency. And we're going to get organized and win at the ballot box. So, we're not going to let MAGA Republicans and the Supreme Court to take away our rights. That's the kind of language I was talking about, Chuck Schumer speaking, not to the mainstream, not to Republicans, not to every American, but to a small segment of people that identify with Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and others like him, and they just listen and believe everything they hear. Let me just mention for a second, and he's got maybe 30 more seconds I'm going to go back to and let you hear, but let me just point out one thing. Where, oh where, where in the Constitution is abortion deemed to be a right of an American woman. I mean, that's what the Constitution does. It's the template. It gives us the power and authority to make decisions to govern ourselves. So there's got to be a law somewhere that makes abortion legal, or at least in the Constitution, references something in the Constitution about this being legal, especially something this important. Because you're talking about, and this is, Uh, an extrapolation. There is no exact number, but it is thought to be by a lot of people, including people that are pro-choice, that there have been approximately 61 million abortions since Roe v. Wade in 1973. So you're talking about 60 million lives. Well, even if you argued they were not alive when they were aborted, You can believe that if you want. I personally don't. But if they were let to be born, there would be 61 million lives, more than we have today. So it's a pretty big deal. There is no constitutional provision that legalizes abortion. Roe v. Wade is not a constitutional provision. It was not based upon any law in the Constitution at all. It was based on an assumption that a majority members of the Supreme Court at the time, they felt like it, they felt like there is an implied consent 
Or in other words, mom didn't say it's okay for you to go do that, but she didn't tell you it's not okay for you to do it either, right? And the other big lie on this abortion thing and this pending ruling by the Supreme Court is this. It will not make abortion illegal. It will not result in doctors and women getting arrested. It's not going to happen. It's not part of it. It's never even been considered. But it makes wonderful Democrat Party fodder for them to go out and point at Republicans and say, you want to take a woman's body and control it yourself and take it away from her. It has nothing to do with that. And it will not have anything to do with that. And guess what? These ultra-maga Republicans are not the ones that are in the line of fire determining that. It's at the Supreme Court, guys. Whether you want it to be or you think it already is, the Supreme Court has no power, no authority to make political decisions. That's not what it's about. In fact, it's about the exact opposite. A court being impartial, reaching conclusions based on one thing, the rule of law. Where does that come from? Well, it started with the U.S. Constitution. Who approved that? American people that lived at that time in the 1700s. And so what are the rulings ever since then? What are they based on that the Supreme Court does? Interpretation of constitutional laws. And secondly, determining the constitutionality of laws passed by the people's representatives. State and federal. They don't make laws. Democrats, on the other hand, are desperate for two things. They're desperate to be able to raise the number of justices on the Supreme Court so that they can have a Democrat president appoint activists, Democrat leftist activists, to serve on the Supreme Court so that whenever cases come before the court like this, they can make a political decision instead of basing their decisions on the law. Let's give Chuck his last 30 seconds. Because when confronted with the contrast between what Democrats stand for and what MAGA Republicans stand for, we know the American people are squarely on our side. So we're going to keep up the fight. We're going to keep highlighting the contrast between the parties. The differences couldn't be clearer. And we're going to help you do that, Chuck. We're going to keep what your party is all about. We're going to keep it in front of people here at TNN Live and at truthnewsnet.org. You can bet your bippy on that. And your last statement there, and we know the American people agree with us on the majority of these issues. You, sir, are full of yourself and certainly not full of any facts. The American people, in large, are rejecting what you and Nancy Pelosi your Democrats in the Senate and hers in the House and everybody's Democrats in the White House, the American people don't like what you guys are doing. For any president to have from ABC News, (laughs) uh, I mean, this morning, an approval poll came out of ABC News. 
Joe Biden's approval rating, 39%. That means more than half the nation doesn't like what he's doing. Does that sound like leadership? Does that sound like the American people like what's happening and want it to continue? I don't think so, Chuck. If the counting of the election votes in November, if the counting is handled and adjudicated properly without anybody putting their thumb on the scales, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, I will make a prediction. Across the nation, Republicans will beat the snot out of their Democrat opponents. There will be some losses. There are some good people in government that are Democrats. And I give them, I give them positives for that. Everybody's not of the same political ilk. I get that. And it's okay. That's what this nation was founded to legitimize, where there's not a government and there's not a populace that all agree on any and everything. There's freedom of of belief, freedom of expression, and freedom of voting. If they'll just let the people speak, Democrats are going to be moving out of D.C. in droves because the American people have fired them. You can bet on that right now. Hey, it's Garrett. The Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water, and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to PolandSpring.com forward slash pledge to find out more. Select sizes only 20 up 700 milliliter, 1 liter, and 1.5 liter size bottles. Howdy. The streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. Those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit thedisneybundle.com for details. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. That just sounds like a weekend song. Sweet Home Alabama, what a great group. What a great song. And they had some great ones come out in the 80s. Well, back to business here. Uh, Things are seeming to be changing a bit in leadership in D.C. John Kirby, Admiral John Kirby, you see him when you see a Pentagon press briefing. He's the guy up in front. He, He speaks well. 
It was announced this morning early that he is leaving the Pentagon and he's moving to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. He's going to have some type of communications position in the White House. Now, let me let me just tell you what I think is going on. Corrine Jean-Pierre, she was Jen Psaki's assistant press secretary. And when Jen flipped her keys on Joe Biden's desk and said, I'm leaving, she got the gig to replace Jen Psaki. She has been, in just a week now, a disaster. Yesterday, she is the spokesman for the president, and she just went all in. They appear at the White House to be all in on their ultra-MAGA campaign. And it seeks to make the midterm elections all about Donald Trump by linking Republicans to Donald Trump, even on the issue of abortion. Yesterday, you may not know this, but the Oklahoma legislature passed a bill banning all abortions after the moment of conception, except in cases of rape and incest, or to save the mom's life. The legislation outlaws any procedure that causes the death of an unborn child, which is defined as human fetus or embryo in any stage of gestation from fertilization until birth. So Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma, he's a Republican, last month signed the first bill that prohibits non-binary gender markers from being issued on Oklahoma birth certificates. And he's expected to sign the new abortion bill into law today. So Corrine Jean-Pierre released a statement late yesterday calling that bill HB 4327 extreme, absurd, and ultra-MAGA. And here's a quote from her. The president believes that women have the fundamental right to make their own reproductive health choices. Roe has been the law of the land for almost 50 years, and basic fairness and the stability of our law demand that it not be overturned. Today's action by the Oklahoma legislature is the most extreme effort to undo these fundamental rights we have seen to date. In addition, it adopts Texas's absurd plan to allow private citizens to sue their neighbors for providing reproductive health care and helping women to exercise their constitutional rights. That just kind of, it shouldn't shock me. But I, when I hear, every time I hear this kind of blather come out of anybody that has anything to do with the government, I just get frosted. She is now the president's spokesperson. She pushed the same line employed by her boss after an unprecedented leaked majority opinion draft indicated the Supreme Court just might overturn Roe v. Wade. Biden has suggested this could lead to a ban on same-sex marriages, a right to contraception, even a ban on LGBTQ children from the classroom. Just put that in the perspective of who said it. Just considering the Supreme Court I'm talking about, the fact that Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional, just considering that, and it's not based on Roe v. Wade itself. It's based on a challenge to Roe v. Wade coming from a law passed by the Mississippi legislature. 
when when these people get up and begin to pontificate about abortion and what it means and making it illegal, which is not what will happen, it will not be illegal to get an abortion or to give an abortion if Roe v. Wade is overturned. I wish people would stop lying to other people about this, especially people in the nation. Joe Biden, you're lying. Katrine Jean-Pierre, you're lying. Nancy Pelosi, you're lying. If you, and they've all, everybody I just mentioned, has maintained if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, abortions will be illegal. That's not true. There will be no federal law for or against abortion. There's not one now. Roe v. Wade is not a law. It's a determination about a majority of Supreme Court justices determining that a law they considered at the time that was being questioned in the court system gave the woman the right, sole right, to determine an abortion or no abortion. But somehow we got from that to, according to the president, this could lead to a ban on same-sex marriages, a right to contraception, and even, oh my God, a ban on LGBTQ children from the classroom. He also said the MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political organization that's existed in American history. Hillary Clinton lumped every one of Donald Trump's supporters, or she said at least half, fit into her basket of deplorables. Joe Biden didn't name his. He just said the MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political organization that's existed in American history. He's called the MAGA crowd all white supremacists. I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent, registered. In almost every case, I vote Republican. I stayed independent. Do you know why? One reason. I was a registered Republican, had been for years, but when we started this program, I wanted to be able to say honestly, I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. I just wanted to be able to make that clear when people are listening to the positions that we take on everything politically, not just this. And I can tell you, based on Joe Biden's definition, I'm part of the MAGA crowd. I'm part of the crowd of Americans that won't MAGA. And it doesn't have a name. There's no political party. There's no person. There's a guy, a billionaire from New York, who got into politics back in 2015, never had anything to do with it. And this guy was a very successful business guy. He created and he hosted a very successful television show, a series, and he was successful. But when he became a politician, when he crossed over and began to speak to people about his heart and how he feels, and how he felt at the time about the way government was treating Americans, people began to see this guy's not a politician. 
And the first time when people, most people thought about that, they were like, this guy doesn't know anything about governing. He can't run for the presidency. He can't win. And oh my gosh, if he wins, he's going to tear this nation apart. In other words, what they were predicting Donald Trump would do if he was elected is exactly what Joe Biden's done since he's been elected. Tearing the nation apart, destroying our economy, destroying our love of country, putting a huge, big chasm right through the middle of the nation, and he's forcing people to go to one side of the chasm or the other and to pull guns out and shoot them at each other. That's exactly what this guy's doing. Donald Trump said this, everything I do if you elect me is going to be about you. Everything I do is going to be about you. You just heard Chuck Schumer just a moment ago, majority leader in the, in the Senate. He said, we are going to take away those Trump tax cuts that have given all kinds of benefits away from the lower class, middle class Americans to the wealthiest of Americans. We're going to take them away. The facts, you know what the facts say? There are economist groups after economist groups, inside the government, outside the government. Those tax cuts were the biggest economic boom in the last 75 years, top to bottom, for every American. Why do they, when they talk about the ultra-wealthy, and by the way, the people that are talking about this are ultra-wealthy themselves because their political careers have given them that opportunity. So why do they always demean people that make money? They try to draw and separate people financially for political purposes only. Here's what Chuck Schumer thinks. Here's what Nancy Pelosi thinks. They operate their entire lives by what's called a zero-sum game. Now, what does that mean? Let's talk about money. You can talk about anything, talent, opportunity, but for the purposes of what they're doing this for and what Chuck Schumer just said that you heard, let's talk about finances. It starts here. They think there's only so much money in the world. So much wealth in the world. And that if there's somebody in the world that has more wealth than someone else, that person probably, in case now we know this is a fact, they believe certainly that person doesn't have authority to have more than this person over here. So for this person over here to do better than they are, the only way to do that is to take money from someone else. They don't believe in creating wealth. They don't believe in creating opportunity and using opportunity to create wealth. They don't believe in entrepreneurship. They believe that every bit of financial positiveness that happens to everyone has got to be handled totally at the behest of the federal government. And they, of course, consider themselves the ones that are at the top and the ones that will always determine who gets and who doesn't. And you can bet this by looking at any and every one of the 535 members of Congress and look at their financial status the day they took office and where they are right now today financially, almost without exception, they're all filthy rich. 
since they went to work in Congress. Now, what does that mean? Not all of them that are there have done it through political benefits. Most have. I don't even know what the number is, but it'll blow your mind. It probably won't blow your mind. Used to, it would have. But they make all the rules. Do you know the members of the U.S. Congress? They're the ones that decide how much they make, how much their expense accounts are, how many days they're going to work, actually go to work and passing legislation and running our government. They're the ones that decide that. You don't even have any say-so. Well, they tell us it's a great sacrifice to go serve. You have to leave your district. You have to go up there. If you've got a home and a family, many of them have to leave the home and the family, and then they have to go up there and find a place to stay and eat and all those kind of things. Oh, my gosh, why are they fighting every two years over and over, getting millions of dollars of campaign contributions, fighting to get those jobs, you know, that one that you got to make a supreme sacrifice to go do. And they all want to be at the top making a determination. Which one of these wealthy people do we take money from? And which one of these middle-class people do we give it to to make equity work? That's what the left believe from top to bottom. And they think they can push that on enough people in this nation to get it passed and everything to go along with it. Well, they found out in the last decade, especially in the four years of Donald Trump, Americans like it when Americans, all Americans have the opportunity to benefit and increase things for themselves and to make more money, to get better jobs, to live in a world where everything is built based upon what's best for the people rather than what's best for the government. Chuck Schumer is scared to death right now. Nancy Pelosi is too. They're both looking at their political careers, and they both, they may not admit it, but they both are pretty confident they are toast. If not toast on their jobs, they're toast on their leadership in the United States Congress. Last night on Don Lemon Tonight on CNN, Jason Furman, remember that name, Jason Furman. He was the chairman of the, I mean, he's got, he's got titles of the, listen to all his titles. He was the chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors under President Obama. He was on the Council of Economic Advisors in the National Economic Council under President Clinton. And he's currently a professor of the practice of economic policy at Harvard and the Harvard Kennedy School. Here's what he said on Big Don's show last night. He said that in the formula shortage, there are so many different failures of government policy, many of them at the FDA. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the baby formula lack. It's a crisis. And don't let anybody tell you that it's not a crisis. So who's responsible? You heard what the president said. Did you hear what they actually put out? They put out, here's what you do. One of those things, if you can't find formula for your baby, listen to what they told all these mothers to do nationwide. Call your OBGYN. Pick up the phone and call them and ask if they have samples in their offices of baby formula that you can access. That's the Biden fix for the formula 
shortage. And this Jason Furman, who's one of their people, he says the problem is Joe Biden's FDA. There's a lot they could do that they're not doing. He said there are so many different failures of government policy, many of them at the FDA. The layer after layer, they put it on top of a long set of policies. Then he said, we're going to see that plant that the FDA ordered offline coming back online in the next week or two. We're seeing the shipments from overseas. The administration has invoked the Defense Production Act to make sure that some of the key ingredients are being prioritized for baby formula over everything else. None of this, those, none of this, none of these steps will work quickly. I certainly think there could have been some earlier action here, he said. But we're seeing some very decisive action now, as much as the president can do. The problem is the FDA. Here's a guy, an expert. He's an economist. He's one of those guys that spends his life with his nose in information sources, finding out, being able to get information that he can come share with the American people. And, of course, it always comes from a political slant. He's one of the people that are out there. They're being told, go out there and protect us, protect the administration. Make sure everybody understands that this is all we could do. And, of course, he comes out and he doesn't blame somebody outside of the administration. He blames the FDA, which is part of the administration. Every member of the FDA board is appointed by Joe Biden. They're the ones making the decisions. They shut that baby formula plant down in February. It's still closed. Now, I'm not a brain surgeon. I know a little bit about business. But when you talk about something as critical as anything being produced anywhere that's part of the diet of Americans, that it's a fundamental piece that some Americans have to have year-round, every day, all day. And a government agency shuts it down in February, and here we are at the end of May, and it's still shut. They didn't make any plans to make up the slack that that factory, the work they were doing to provide formula for millions of babies, wouldn't you think somebody at the FDA, they're the ones that shut it down, don't you think somebody at the FDA would have gotten on the phone and said, uh, Uncle Joe, hey, look, we feel like we need to shut this plant down. And then Uncle Joe would say, well, what does this plant make? Well, Mr. President, they make baby formula. Oh, okay. Do they make a lot? Well, yeah, they make a lot. They're the number one producer for the United States. We even, we've even looked at their processes. They sell it around the world. They make so much of it. Well, why do you want to shut it down? Well, there are some reports of some babies getting sick, and we heard about some babies that have died from it. OMG, the president says. You shut that MFR down. We will not let any private organization kill our babies. Click. Hangs up the phone. That's the last time Joe Biden even thought about that. Nobody in the administration thought about, well, what are we going to do about getting and replacing all the formula that they would be making for... March, April, May, three entire months. If there's a problem in a plant, 
We want our government to make sure they're not hurting our American people, especially babies. But what do you do? You find out pretty quickly if there is a problem, where it is, if there is one, and then you make sure they fix it and you get them back online pretty quickly. Until this broke on a national level two weeks ago and became a big deal, Joe Biden had never even had another conversation about it. That's not leadership. That's politicization. And the only time they use politicization or they ever bring it up is when it makes them look better and their political opponents to look worse. In fact, when Joe Biden first was confronted with it on a television interview, you know what he said? I don't know anything about it. And then, of course, Jen Psaki or somebody came over and whispered, hey, Mr. President, uh, you had a conversation with the FDA about this in February, and you guys jointly decided we needed to shut it down. And he said, I did that? Why would I do that? Oh my gosh, we're in trouble. We got to come up with a line. We got to find somebody to blame like the FDA. We don't tell you what to think. But we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the The Truth Truth News Network. Network. Truthnewsnet.org. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 six-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT. Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Limited time at participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell and Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell and Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men. Before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell and Cordell. A partner men can count on. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Hey, listen, this is going to be a good weekend. It's going to be a good weekend. Kids are getting out of school. Our grandkids, they're, I think their last day at school was yesterday or today if they've got some tests. And everybody's going to be out on the road for this, wait a minute, did I say that? <laughs> Nobody can be out on the road. You can't afford it. Do you know that they are actually projecting for the for the state of Washington? They're planning and preparing for $10 a gallon for gasoline. How do you plan for that? I mean, $10 a gallon? 
I, I drive a nice car, a big sedan. It doesn't have a huge gas tank, but it's 16 gallons, $160 to fill up my car. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've got a good bicycle. <laughs> I'm going to be using it, but the long-term, long-range plans for me if we ever get, if I don't know where it where it would get to, what level it would have to get to for me to make changes like that. But I can tell you, most Americans are being directly impacted by this. And don't forget that the total responsibility for every bit of this is not on Vladimir Putin. It's on Joe Biden. Have you noticed of late former Attorney General under Barack Obama? Eric Holder, Um, he's been in the news lately, and he's been in the news about Donald Trump. Yesterday, Holder was on MSNBC's All In, and guess what he has predicted? High-level prosecutions of people close to former President Donald Trump. Now, let me finish this and give you this information, and then I'm going to circle back, as Jen Psaki would say, and I'm going to circle back to the what is going on about Holder doing this. When he was asked about the Department of Justice, he said, after the revelations from the January 6th committee and the great job that journalists have done in revealing a whole variety of things, I think you get a sense of the direction, and I think you're going to end up with high-level prosecutions of people close to to Donald Trump. He said, I think people at the Department of Justice are going to be examined, certainly. People involved in the matter, people actually there on January 6th, and people who directed them. The question ultimately is what happens to the ex-president. And he didn't stop. Holder obviously had to get this out. He wanted this out on national television. Listen to what he said. Quote, my guess is going to be that they are going to have significant, substantive proof. They are going to be able to show that you have the intent. And as what I said before, I have said he, Donald Trump, has to be held accountable. But he wasn't through. He added this, we cannot allow what happened on January 6th to go unpunished because it would invite something like that to happen again in the future future people who would consider doing something like this have to be deterred. I think a non-prosecution would divide the nation as well. Oh yeah, this is the guy who is part of the administration of the divider-in-chief. And he concluded, and if we don't have that deterrent impact coming out of the consideration of what happened on January 6th, we put this republic at risk in the future. Now, I'm going to use a term for him doing that, and you may not like the term, but I think what he's doing, we had a story from former A.G. Holder, I think it was two days ago. He's been pretty much silent for the entirety or most of all of the uh, Trump administration, and now here he's back, and he's it's like he's being sent out to talk to the media. He's blowing a dog whistle to Democrats across the nation. 
It's almost like a call to war, like they needed another call to war. Wow. We'll keep our eyes on that. And uh, to be honest with you, you and I both know, if there were substantive issues that had come up from the investigations of the January 6th that especially had to do specifically and personally with Donald Trump, it'd be all over the news. They would be doing everything to push Merrick Garland, the current attorney general, to start criminal prosecutions against the former president. You can book it. So what's going to happen between now and the run-up to the 2024 presidential election? You're going to hear more and more and more from people like Eric Holder. You watch. The left, everybody on the left, are going to be out there 24-7 screaming, hollering, Trump, bad guy, orange man, bad guy. Kind of like what they did for four years when he was president, right? Now, there have been rumblings over the past, I guess, two months about this thing that uh, is coming up in the World Health Organization. And what's this all about? WHO, World Health Organization. Just so you know, it's a division of the United Nations, and it handles everything to do with world health around the world. But basically what the WHO has become is just exactly what the United Nations is, a bureaucratic entity that sucks up billions of taxpayer dollars from nations around the world, and they always have political agendas on every issue that they ever deal with. The Biden administration has been working to come up with a new international pandemic treaty Now, remember, they're talking about the World Health Organization and this new international pandemic treaty. Critics claim it would, if it's enacted, effectively grant the World Health Organization total authority over emergency operations in the United States. Huh. So last night, Tucker Carlson, said that in January, the Biden administration submitted a series of proposed amendments to something called the International Health Regulations, or the IHR. The amendments, according to Tucker, are reportedly set to be combined with amendments from several other countries to create a new global pandemic treaty. The problem, according to Tucker, is that this treaty would inconspicuously grant the WHO unprecedented power during a pandemic. The catch is that the WHO would get to define the meaning of pandemic. The WHO gets to define what a pandemic is, when a pandemic is in progress, and how long it lasts. Then you read the fine print and you realize the WHO will have total authority over emergency operations in the United States if there's ever a public health emergency. Thanks to the Biden administration, the WHO would also get to define the meaning of a public health emergency. According to Carlson, the White House eliminated a provision that would have required the WHO to consult with an attempt to obtain verification from the state party 
in whose territory the event is allegedly occurring. So, as originally written, they couldn't do anything without the permission of their member countries' governments. But thanks to the change that the Biden administration pushed, effectively, there is no limit at all on the WHO's power, and then it gets worse from there. The treaty also mandates a whole-of-government and a whole-of-society approach to pandemic preparedness. The key words there are pandemic preparedness because as noted by Tucker, every society is always preparing for a pandemic. And that means there will not be a moment ever when the WHO doesn't have operational control over so-called public health matters in this country. But according to Tucker, it gets even worse. Thanks to an amendment from the Biden administration, this treaty contains a provision for a compliance committee. It provides that every member country in the WHO must inform WHO about the establishment of its national competent authority that is responsible for overall implementation of the IHR that will be recognized and held accountable. Under this treaty, WHO members must enforce orders from the WHO. They have to act as the heavies for the WHO, and if they don't, they're going to be sanctioned. The White House is going to be the muscle for the director of the World Health Organization. As to what sort of orders the WHO might submit, the treaty would reportedly require national and global coordinated actions to address, here we go, listen, the misinformation, the disinformation, and stigmatization that undermine public health. It would also authorize the global agency to build capacity to deploy proactive countermeasures against misinformation and social media attacks. So they're going to censor anybody who doesn't agree with what they do. I mean, does that sound a little bit like Joe's disinformation committee that they just put on a pause yesterday? For me, it sounds exactly what it is. But let's go back to this WHO thing. I got a ton over the last weeks. I I probably 200 emails and texts, questions. Hey, what's going on with this WHO treaty thing? Well, what everybody needs to understand, if it is a treaty, and if it legally is structured as a treaty, it cannot be approved by the President of the United States. Now, the way Joe's buddy, Barack Obama, and Joe himself, and John Kerry, got away with this regarding that Iran deal, that nuclear deal, it never got to go to Congress to be considered, yet alone approved. And they got away with doing that by not calling it a treaty. So it was just an executive uh, action. So what I did was, over the last couple of days, I've had conversations back and forth with Congressman Mike Johnson. And I'm stalling here because I want to read to you what he told me. While I'm doing this, let me just tell you, it is a big issue in Congress. They are talking about it. They're having meetings about it. 
man, 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 this is just not working right. When, when You know, isn't it interesting when you have something that you want to look at and you get on your phone and you're stuck looking for text? All kinds of stuff keeps coming up. Conversation, see all. Da, 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 da. Here we go. Okay, I'm scrolling down at the bottom. He, he and I, we, we have lots of conversations by text and a bunch on... Uh, here's what I, I wrote to him. I keep getting calls about Biden handing over U.S. sovereignty to the WHO on May 22nd and that pending vote to give WHO unilateral authority to designate all things related to health care matters like quarantines, vaccine mandates, health mandates of any kind. It's burning up the news. Fill me in. And his reply was, we're trying to sort it out. It's not good, but as usual, it's not nearly the threat that some are making it out to be because they don't have the facts. And he gave me a summary. He said, this is a summary from Representative Mike McCall from Texas, who's the ranking Republican member of the Foreign Affairs Committee. uh, McCall's summary on the WHO, let me give it to you. What the amendments do, the proposed changes to the international health regulation, those are those IHRs, would allow for timely and transparent release of critical information when dangerous pathogens are identified or global health threat emerges. The changes would protect member states from bad actors who seek to obfuscate health incidents within their own borders. Please note, the amendments were originally developed under the Trump administration, under the current IHRs, During the early days of the COVID-19 outbreak in Wuhan province, the Chinese Communist Party was able to dictate what information was released to and by the World Health Organization. We cannot allow rogue regimes and authoritarian leaders to hide critical health data, particularly where a lack of such data would threaten the lives of Americans, as well as U.S. national security and the economy. And then Congressman McCall He put this in there, what the amendments do not do. It does not in any way change or supersede U.S. law and the sovereign right for the United States to in accordance with the Charter of the United Nations and the principles of international law to legislate and implement legislation in pursuance of their health regulations. Here are some top-line points. If adopted, it would allow the WHO, with the recommendation of the Emergency Committee, of which at least one member must be from the state in question, to declare a public health emergency of international concern without the agreement of the member state in question where the outbreak is occurring. The second part of this, if the Emergency Committee does not come to the conclusion to declare a PHEIC, unanimously, non-consenting members of the committee are required to create their own report, which will be included within the final report, providing for inclusion of all opinions of the health incident in question. This does not mean that the WHO will be able to implement any actions within a non-consenting state. Rather, that the WHO can declare a health emergency, and share information with other states 
without the approval of the state in which the incident occurs. The amendments increase the transparency of the WHO and is an important step to rectifying the disastrous mistakes made during the early days of COVID. A report produced by HFFC Republican staff on the origins of COVID-19 include policy recommendations on how to strengthen the international health regulations in order to ensure increased accountability, transparency, and effective information sharing the ensured devastating mistakes of the COVID-19 are not repeated. So I know many of you have been concerned about that. I know there are a bunch of people listening to the show today that have reached out to me. What I just gave you is verbatim what is already coming out of Congress. They have been and are and will be involved in this up to their eyeballs. And I do know this, they're doing everything they possibly can to make sure this will be classified, structured, and operated if it comes down to it as a legitimate treaty that must be confirmed by Congress. So there you go. Ask and you get. And when we get calls and questions like this that are very, very important, And I must be honest with you, the first time I heard about it, I knew nothing about the issue until I dove into it personally. I'm a little embarrassed about that. But thinking again, you know, we can't watch everything, can we? And if it's in the United Nations, you know, I don't know what your opinion of the UN is. I do not like the United Nations. I don't like the way it operates. I don't think it's necessary in any way. I think it was strictly when it was structured and put in the United States that whoever did it, in the back of their minds, this was going to be a precursor to have the actual instrument in place. Someday down the line, we can form a one-world government and stick it right there on the southeast side of Manhattan. I guarantee you that crossed some of those people's minds. Let me tell you what's coming up. There's news on Hunter Biden. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Could there be any more news coming out about Hunter Biden that we haven't heard that? Well, this is some more news that's shining the light on not just Hunter. And I'm not going to tell you who else, but I'll tell you this. It's shining light on people who are really close to Hunter. That's next. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are sun-made's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and sun-made's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. 
all delicious, all made with whole fruit, sun-made snacks. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car. But when something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely, no. That's why I have Car Shield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. Car Shield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and Car Shield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit carshield.com. Use the promo code iHeart to save 10%. That's carshield.com, promo code iHeart. Deductible may apply. Well, well, well. What about old Hunter Biden? Do you know there was not just one of those laptops? There wasn't two laptops. There were three laptops that Hunter walked into that shop, that computer repair shop in Delaware, and left there with him. Now, there are a lot of questions that me and you and a whole lot of other people have about that. First of all, three laptops? I mean, I've, I've got a laptop. Uh, we produce this show. Right now I'm looking at an iMac that we produce it on. I have an iPad. Marianne has a MacBook Pro. But for me to have three laptops, first of all, can you imagine the pandemonium that you go through? Well, you know, I, I did this, I created this, and I put it on, I put it on, oh my gosh, I can't remember where I put it. But three Eh, something's not right with that. So the contents of that laptop, we've heard about it ad nauseum. It actually, if you remember now, it came out a couple of months primary, uh, before, uh, during the primaries, but, but after the primaries, but before the 2020 election occurred and social media giants, they quashed it. They wouldn't even investigate it or even allow it to go out there. They wouldn't allow anybody. Uh, Twitter and and uh, Facebook and Google, they would pull it down if somebody even posted or reposted a New York Post story that broke the entire Hunter Biden saga. And of course, the reason they did it, they didn't want Joe Biden to look bad. He was implicated and is implicated in a lot of this stuff. And we're talking about the president of the United States. And if that had come out before the election, it definitely, I don't know if it would have changed the results, but it looked to me like the results were predetermined anyway, but whatever reason, it didn't come out until later. And every one of them are still hiding from it and not wanting to talk about it. But there's some new stuff out. And we didn't get this from ABC or NBC or CBS or even Fox News. We got it from a Fox affiliate in Australia. Sky News. 
The former Trump aide has released a new database of 120,000 emails he claims are leaked from the laptop of US President Joe Biden's son, Hunter. The emails allegedly reveal quid pro quo arrangements by Hunter Biden selling access to his father. Let's bring in now our Washington correspondent, Annalise Nielsen. Annalise, Hunter Biden's laptop was previously dismissed as Russian dis disinformation. Of course, you're our Washington correspondent here at the moment, as our viewers would know, for the final stages of our election. But this story is big enough for, to warrant us to cover this afternoon. Absolutely. This has been such an ongoing saga in the US. We wanted to talk about it, even though I am in Australia. But we can access this website right around the world. This has been posted by Garrett Ziegler, who's a former aide to Peter Navarro, who worked for Donald Trump in his Office of Trade and Manufacturing at the time. Now, it's worth noting Peter Navarro has himself garnered a bit of controversy, especially around his uh, movements on January 6th. He's been uh, held in contempt of the January 6th committee by Congress which does have, of course, that more Democrat lean to it. But he has been a long-time supporter of Donald Trump. And so what Garrett Ziegler's done is posted 120,000 emails to a website that anyone can search around the world. This has been posted exclusively by the Daily Mail and then uh, has also been reported on by The Times. But this has been a controversial saga in the US. Mainstream media ignored the leak of Hunter Biden's laptop when it first happened during the election campaign. It was dismissed as Russian disinformation and then it was said to be hacked and that led to some pretty senior figures sharing it being blocked off social media channels including Kayleigh McEnany who represented uh, Donald Trump as his press secretary and it was largely ignored. It was this year that the Washington Post and the New York Times said that they had verified that they were indeed legitimate emails and the questions raised by these emails is what access Hunter Biden has been offering to Joe Biden when he was vice president and previously as a senator as well. One of the emails in this leak that's been put on the website has uh, suggested that there was access given to a Mexican billionaire because Hunter Biden asked for it and uh, that included access to the inauguration and the White House as well. So these are really serious allegations put forward in these emails. They'll have to go through the verification process as well. But this has been a highly controversial aspect to holding accountable what we've seen come out of this laptop. More... <laughs> And more and more. And of course, the last time I heard President Biden being asked about it, he uh, he stopped, he paused, and he turned around and said, um, what laptop? What laptop are you talking about? Why are you talking to me about a laptop? Well, Mr. President, the laptop belongs to your son, Hunter. I don't have a son named Hunter. My, my son... Bo, he died of cancer. Who's Hunter? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, my gosh. Will anything ever come of it? I don't know. If, if the only thing that comes of it is Americans know about it and know that that kind of crap is going on and it continues, it will continue unless it's stopped and somebody is held accountable for doing stuff like this. I always have this little bird in the back of my brain that chirps and chirps. Whenever I, I see a politician, especially those who are in the United States Congress, 
the ones that have the FaceTime on cameras all the time. They get into leadership. You always you hear them on the floor of the House and the Senate making these grandiose speeches, and they're known to be very, very good people and powerful. Whenever I see those people, I don't care what party it comes from, and they start chirping, in my mind, there's a ding, 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 ding that goes off every time. And the question comes up in every instance, where and how did these people get this power and money? And if you look into any of it, every bit of it, it comes from their political position and the subsequent power they obtain by simply being elected to go serve in the United States Congress. And then the cash registers open up and here comes the money. In every case, I see very rare exceptions. Serving professionally and government in the United States is extremely financially good for those who get that opportunity. I mentioned yesterday, you hear a lot of them gripe whenever they're talked to about how can you justify making $170,000 a year salary and you're just up there for less than nine months of the year? Well, it's a supreme sacrifice. I talked about it. You know, they got a home at home. They got some place to live, sleep, eat, clean up in Washington, D.C., running two households extremely, they, they go through all of it. If it's that bad, why do so many people run asking voters to send them up there to serve in such a crippling job? And the obvious answer is the right one. It's not crippling. It comes with so many fringe benefits that people are fighting I mean, you can see them over in the corner raising their hand saying, ooh, 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 call on me, call on me. I want to do that. There's a lot of money in politics. And there's a lot of evil money in politics. In fact, most of the money in politics, the part of it that doesn't come from we taxpayers, most of it is pretty evil. Just saying. Facts are facts. Now talk about evil and talk about facts are facts. This one is probably going to floor you. President Biden's border chief, who are we talking about? Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary. He has waved into the United States personally 150,000 poor Cubans. 150,000 on his own order. Why are these Cubans coming here? Mostly to seek jobs and housing. And those jobs and housing, if these 150,000 Cubans weren't here, would otherwise go to poor Americans. So this inflow from Cuba is rising rapidly as Mayorkas exempts more and more and more Cubans from that Title 42 ban against migrants. He's exempting them. You may not know this, but he's Cuban-born. He allowed 36,628 Cubans to come here in April. That's up from 16,547 in February and 8,158 in December. The big majority of these Cubans are working age. 
They're adults and are allowed to get work permits, and they get the permits, thanks to Mr. Mayorkas, just for asking for asylum, even though they are classified by federal law as economic migrants. There's a big difference between that class and asylum-seeking class. This inflow is greater than the 125,000 Cubans who flooded into the U.S., during that infamous 1980 Mario boat lift. This is all expected to rise after Biden's deputies agreed to help Cubans here in the U.S. to send more money back to their relatives stuck on the island. There's an agreement, May 16th, an economic agreement, and it's good news for the Biden administration and Cuba's dictators. Cuba's government will gain wealth from the economic remittance sent home by the exiled Cuban workers and will also export the young men and women who might otherwise stage uprisings against the government in Cuba. The deal will also allow Cubans to send 20,000 more legal migrants to the U.S., most of whom likely will be old. They'll be told to work productively. Now, obviously, think about the players in this. Well, there's the federal government. There's Alejandro Mayorkas, native-born Cuban, immigrated here, is a citizen, yada, 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 and he wants to help poor Cubans. If you put that in your peace pipe, it it smokes smoothly. I mean, nobody, nobody can honestly say it's not good to give other people, regardless of their nation of origin and their difficulties, Give them a chance. But that's not what Alejandro Mayorkas is doing. And he doesn't have the legal authority to do what he's doing. He's picking and choosing people that he will let in here, and he's not doing it through the legal process. This agreement signals that the Biden administration is not going to pressure Cuba's government to accept the return of Cuban immigrants that are arrested at the border. Without a return process, the only way to exclude Cubans from the U.S. labor market is to have Mexico's government bar their entry into Mexico or else accept all Cubans in the little-used remain-in-Mexico policy. But the elite negotiated population transfer adds more economic pressure to many millions of poor Americans and to the population of at least 10 million Americans who have been pushed out of work. Can you believe that's happening and has been happening and will continue to happen under this president? So there are some other... um, Some other Cuba news. On yesterday broadcast of MSNBC's Jose Diaz-Bolet reports, Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman from New Jersey, Democrat Robert Menendez, he criticized the Biden administration, which is unusual because he's a big, big, big Joe Biden fan and supporter is Menendez. And he's criticizing Joe for lifting some restrictions on the nation of Cuba 
by saying that the day that the policy changes were announced, the Cuban regime put, quote, sweeping draconian consequences for free speech into law in Cuba and that the Biden administration's move is a unilateral concession that ultimately was responded to by having a penal code that includes the death penalty for free speech activities. Menendez says, on the day that we, the administration, announced these unilateral concessions to the regime in Cuba, they put into law as part of their penal code sweeping draconian consequences for people who exercise what we would call here in the U.S. free speech, including the death penalty under certain circumstances for what would be an act of free speech. So instead of insisting that the Cuban regime move towards change, respect for human rights, peaceful protests, giving a voice to the Cuban people, and stopping the jailing of dissidents, what we have now is a unilateral concession that ultimately was responded to by having a penal code that includes the death penalty for just speaking freely. The reason I brought that out to you was to illustrate from the story before that about Mayorkas. Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, unilaterally waving in and making it legal for 150,000 Cubans, poor class people, to come here and get immediate work permits that will take jobs away from Americans. It's already happening. This is not this is not something coming down the road. It's happening now. And it will continue to worsen. Democrats have said we want the United States of America to be the United States. We don't want it to be America first. We don't want this nation to look at its people, its structure, its goodness, its riches, its blessings as by and for the American people. We want it to be by and for the people of earth. And of course, we want us to be the ones to determine who those people are. Here's another little border security issue. They have started at the border to use on a mass scale a special thing, an exception, called parole. It was previously used sparingly, and it was used to allow tens of thousands of illegal immigrants to stay here for at least a year. So under this status, parole status, illegals don't even have to provide Border Patrol with evidence of credible fear for asylum and their permitted entry without any preconditions except a short little quick background check in the U.S. crime database. Keep in mind who you're looking up. You're looking up immigrants from other parts of the world. So I don't think the U.S. crime data has a lot of information about foreign people that have criminal activity in their, in their backgrounds. So in, in other words, there's no checking of who they are. A Customs and Border Patrol Protection spokesman said, the parole, this designation, 
allows for overwhelmed Border Patrol stations to process big numbers of illegal aliens significantly faster and release them into the country much faster than the more involved current system, which releases an illegal with a notice to appear that includes a court date for their first immigration hearing. In other words, what they're doing is they literally are waving them through. Y'all, come on down. Put your name down on this piece of paper and uh, go outside and pick up your benefits, all the food, the clothing, anything else you need. And oh, by the way, we're giving you a cell phone. We just ask you every day to turn it on. So if we need to access and talk to you, we can just make a phone call. That, That literally is being done. Parole should be a very boutique thing. That's according to Andrew Author. He's a resident fellow in law and policy at Center for Immigration Studies and a retired immigration judge. This is the exact opposite of what Congress said. This is a misuse, and this is an abuse of that immigration authority that borders on malfeasance. So through the 1952 Immigration and Nationality Act, Congress mandated that all inadmissible and illegal aliens be detained until their status is determined, after which they are either to be deported or granted legal entry and given a legal status. Parole, it's a loophole. It's an exception. And although it's not a legal status, it permits entry on a case-by-case basis for, quote, urgent humanitarian reasons, or significant public benefit. The status allows foreign nationals who may not otherwise be admissible under our immigration laws to live and work here temporarily without being formally admitted to the country and without having a set pathway to a permanent immigration status. So in other words, it's a legal loophole for Alejandro Mayorkas to use to just waive these future voters into the United States and give them a chance to get a job and take a job away from an American. Wow. You know, there there is so much negative stuff to talk about every day. It just weighs on my mind, and I know that there are many of you out there that if you're listening in every once in a while, you just say, look, I can't take any more of this, and bam, you mute it. (laughs) Or you turn it over to something You know, some good music or something. I get that. And I'm the same way. But I think it's critical for all of us to get on top of what the facts are on every really important issue. And I think, to be quite honest with you, any politician or group of politicians that are purposely bending the law, breaking the law for personal purposes of any kind, but especially to flood the nation with illegal aliens, most of who we don't even know are here. And certainly, even if we know where they're here, we don't know who they are. We don't know what their backgrounds are. We don't know what their capabilities are. We don't know where they live. We don't know who they're working for. We don't know what criminal acts they're committing. But isn't it sad that in the United States of America... For most people, that just seems to be no big deal. I guess more than anything, that just bugs the heck out of me. And then we have something like this that has to happen. 
A U.S. court, a federal court, has temporarily blocked the Biden administration mandates that forced non- and for-profit employers to pay for sex change surgeries and hormone therapy. Did you know about this? The mandates were put forth by two federal agencies, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, that's the EEOC, and the Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The Christian Employers Alliance sued the government last year, arguing the government was misinterpreting the Affordable Care Act and that mandates would harm religious employers that hold sincerely held religious beliefs that such gender transition surgeries and procedures are morally wrong. This is an alliance which is made up of Christian employers across the nation. They also ask for a preliminary injunction or temporary block of these mandates. A halt to the mandates was necessary because of the risk of liability, they said. So in this new ruling from U.S. District Judge Daniel Trainer, who is a Trump appointee, agreed. And he said this, compliance with the mandate requires the plaintiff and its members to violate their religious beliefs, convictions, and practices. This as an irreparable injury. That was part of his 18-page order. In the order, the judge rejected Biden's claim that the mandates don't actually exist, noting that recent HHS guidances says that a parent should file a complaint if a medical provider refuses to help with the gender transition of their child regardless of the child's age. The thought that a newborn could be surgically altered to change gender is the result of the Biden HHS notification and HHS guidance that brands a medical professional's refusal to do so as discrimination. Indeed, the HHS guidance specifically invites the public to file complaints for acting in a manner the Alliance says is consistent with their sincerely held religious beliefs. The Alliance must either violate its sincerely held beliefs or face monetary losses, fines, and even civil liabilities in lawsuits. Both those entities, the EEOC and the Health and Human Services, are barred from enforcing those mandates against the Alliance until the merits of the case are decided. Let me ask you this. Do you think Joe Biden even knew about this thing? I don't think he does. I don't think he did. I think somebody else did it. Somebody else put it out there. And if you ever question it, what he was told had to be, Mr. President, this is the only way for fairness and equity. These people don't have opportunities. And surgery for sexual transition, it's extremely expensive. A lot of these people can't afford it. We need to, we need to pay for it. We need to make these employers pay for it. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. We all want to be prepared. We all want to be sure that the people we leave behind don't think we're jerks. That's where final insurance comes in. We provide peace of mind for when you rest in peace. 
For a small monthly sum, you can spend your final years knowing that Final Insurance has everything taken care of. Final Insurance, the last insurance you'll ever need. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Just a little more proof out this morning that shows the Biden administration is thinking about global politics, global, not U.S. politics. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he announced yesterday the U.S. is offering $215 million in emergency assistance to ease worldwide food shortages, worsened, of course, by the Ukraine war and resulting in supply chain disruptions. The Ukraine war didn't bother our supply chain We had supply chain disruptions way before Vladimir Putin started the war, right? Blinken said this, Today, given the urgency of the crisis, we're announcing another $215 million. Did you get that? Another, another in new emergency food assistance. We'll do much more. We expect our Congress very soon to approve $5.5 billion in additional funding for humanitarian assistance and food security. The $5.5 billion is part of the $40 billion taxpayer-funded Ukraine aid bill passed in the House on May 10th and the Senate on Monday and is currently on its way to Joe Biden's desk. Another $40 billion. And by the way, if you didn't know it, um, you can build two southern border walls, two completely across our southern border. I mean the perfect kind, two of those for less than $40 billion. Talking about this sex change thing, I got to have a laugh. I got to end the, the week with a laugh. And so I just dug out a little song for you. And this isn't going to end the show. I'll be back right after this. But this is a great country tune. It'll probably zoom to the top of the charts. It's called... All my exes changed their sexes. All my exes changed their sexes. She used to be a her, and now she's a he. But all my exes changed their sexes. Thank God we broke up back in 03. Rosanna's down in San Francisco, LGBTQ. Sweet Eileen is now called Steve, she looks just like a dude. And Allison takes medicine, somehow lost her sanity. And Dimples, well it ain't that simple, fell in love with a drag queen. Oh. 
used to be a her and now she's a he but all my exes changed their sexes thank god we broke up back in 03 some folks think i'm far right but i just don't prefer guys thank god we broke up back in 03 It'll never work in Nashville. Matter of fact, it just might. <laughs> <I'll be good>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, people are creative. <laughs> and you know what? If you don't laugh about stuff, you're going to cry about stuff. And trying to figure all this mess out, it is next to impossible. It might even just be plain possible. You guys have a great weekend. Don't forget our bullet point offering tomorrow morning. And don't forget Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 here at TNN Live. See ya! I was thinking about her Visiting the past Reconstructing details With old photographs I was studying the faces With an objective point of view Suddenly remembering doesn't haunt me At the time you couldn't tell me If one day I'd be glad That something that I thought was love Was misinterpreted She had another lover She in fact